Good evening. Here we go. Okay, good evening. It is Tuesday, November 21st at 1039. Your Purdue Boilermakers have survived and advanced in Honolulu, beating uh, Tennessee 71-67 in a ugly, grimy, pig slop-filled game in which... Uh, this is one where my dad often talks about the problem with college basketball is the involvement, how involved the refs are, how much of a difference they make on the game, and how it makes it really not fun because it it becomes a different contest when they start interjecting themselves. And everybody, everybody that watched on either side, whether you watched the Tennessee Twitter or the Purdue Twitter, both sides had a major problem with the fact that the officials would interject themselves in inconsistent ways in the wrong times. We'll talk about that. I'll talk about the end result. Talk about the fact that Purdue will be playing either Marquette or Kansas. And it goes from playing number 11 and winning to playing number 7 and winning to playing number 4 or 1 in the championship. That is a hell of a murderer's row like we talked about uh, coming in to the Maui Invitational. Let me thank our sponsors, though, before I get too deep into it. Thanks to our friends. Uh, I'm going to mention AJ's first because mix it up. Head over to AJ's on Vine when you're on campus. Uh, get your favorite things. Get, uh, get some, uh, some Italian beef. Get a burger. They got some creative burgers. Grab some delicious, amazing appetizers. Either the, bre- the pretzels or the mac and cheese bites are my uh, recommendation. You will not go wrong. Before you go there, go to eataj's.com. You can order ahead. Burgers, beef, beer. That's AJ's, our friends, Adam and Jake. And when you're looking for a sweatshirt, and you are, and a t-shirt, and you are, especially for Christmas shopping, it's coming soon. We're, we're, uh, we're getting down that, we're in that stretch. Head over, to, head over to Home Field Apparel. This week only, enter Black Friday, get 20% off. But if you miss, and it's still your first purchase, enter, enter Boiled 23 for 15% off. Either way, you can't lose, but early bird gets warm. Go get a shirt now. So, homefieldapparel.com. Yeah, um, uh, that's, a, that's a great game. That's a huge win. Uh, it felt to me as those fouls started mounting up, and you see Edie getting in foul trouble very early, um, that it felt to me like a Sweet 16 game where Purdue gives it away or has it taken away, however you want to say, just because they couldn't play their style of play. Interesting thing, though. Interesting observation. See if you agree with me. If you do, awesome. If you don't, it's okay. It used to be that Purdue had to play teams and get really aggressive and really physical to try to level the playing field because they didn't have the horses, the athletes, the basketball players to play with some elite teams. Well, now, oh, how the turntables... You see Tennessee doing exactly that. And Rick Barnes admitted that Tennessee plays a physical brand of basketball at the half. And yet, Tennessee started that second half looking squeaky clean while Purdue just couldn't stop fouling. It was a like a Thanksgiving miracle for Tennessee. All while Tennessee scratched and clawed, got their way back into the game. Um, honestly, let's remove all that. Let's pretend for a second both teams get the same amount of free throws, and the re- the game was called evenly, and and you don't uh, you you ignore the fact that Zach Eady generally doesn't foul, and he was in foul trouble uh, against guys that he was superior to, and who were grabbing him around the waist and around the shoulders and around the neck over and over. But let's 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 ignore that. 
When you shoot free throws that poorly, as Purdue did tonight, it is tough to win a game in modern college basketball, unless you are just raining threes. Okay. Now, on top of that, when the guy who everybody thought was going to be the number two to Zach Eadie's one, Braden Smith, plays like he did tonight, it's tough to, uh, to win a game. But all of my trash talk of Fletch Lawyer and his inability to make plays must have really fallen on uh, – Ears that were affected because Fletch Lawyer looked like a beast today. He kind of reset himself because he had played two games in a row where he kind of was very quiet, at best very quiet, and uh, scored in the 20s, 26-something, 23 points. I don't know. I haven't looked at it yet. I'll look at it here in a second. But Fletch Lawyer uh, definitely did some big things tonight and uh, was definitely a story. It wasn't just the fact that he was hitting shots. It was he was... He was willing to get grimy and dirty and go after the 50-50 balls and win the 50-50 balls. That's really the difference. That and what should have really cemented Purdue at the end of the game. You look at the press, right? Purdue's up by three in the closing seconds. And Jay and I both on a, on a text thread go, oh, no, press, right? Oh, this is, this is death for Purdue. And right away, Lance Jones, the guy that, that we think is the perfect complement to this team, Uses speed, attacks the dead center of the press, doesn't go in the corner, gets fouled. I'm like, bingo, bingo, bango, bongo. These guys are going to win going away. Of course, he goes down, and he hits one of two. I think Smith missed two free throws down the stretch. Edie missed one. Really, really lousy free throw shooting, and that really matters. When you're going to be the aggressor, as Purdue wants to be, and you're going to go to the hoop a lot, you're going to get fouled. You have to hit your free throws and cripple that other team early and make them think twice about fouling. Instead, the game was called in a way that I think was awful, of course. I mean, but the free throw shooting just killed me. It killed me. That and the fact you had Braden Smith and Lance Jones not making plays tonight. Gillis continues to be a bit of a mystery, mystery to me. When you watch him play, he is clearly not looking for his shot. And it's changing the way he is respected by the defense. He's still scrapping, going for rebounds, but I really need to see Gillis get back to the place where he's confident in his shot. And it doesn't even have to be doesn't even have to be three pointers like he did uh, was it Michigan State last year. I can't remember that game where he went off. It doesn't have to be that. It could be um, it could be just looking for your shot inside seven to ten feet. But he's a lot better than just that. The starting lineup. Uh, a lot of people wondered if Painter would bring that starting lineup back in because it, it is questionable. It remains questionable, the TKR plus ED starting lineup. And uh, and he did. He brought it back. And it didn't look great. Um, it doesn't look great. But I think this is one of those things where Painter is really trying to make that work because he sees it as important. But I just think there are so many better ways for this team to attack an opponent than those two being on the court at the same time. All right, let me look at the stats real quick, and then we'll talk a little bit in the margin. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in live. Awesome to see you. Uh, I don't know if you remember last year when Boiled Sports really changed. I mean, I've been doing post games and podcasts and quick casts with my friends here on Boiled Sports for a long time, on this feed for a long time. But last year, a year ago now, is when things kind of changed because I was doing post games during the um, the Portland stuff, and you guys were along the ride with me. So if you began your ride a year ago with Boiled Sports, appreciate it. 
And if you're just tuning in for the first time here, where you've been, just kidding. But I do appreciate everybody being here. Um, so uh, Purdue improves to 5-0 and on the season. Like I said, they're second in the nation. They've beaten number 11. They've beaten number 7. And they will have a top five opponent next. That's awesome position to be in. We'll see if they can be back-to-back-to-back November champs. Trademark BS. Um, so um, let's look at this, though. Edie, in, even in spite of playing not a not his best game at all, not a great game, um, he still finishes with 23 and 10. Uh, no turnovers. Pretty damn awesome. And on top of that, he fouled out two Tennessee players, the two best bigs. Tennessee's drop-off, like a lot of teams, after you get past your two bigs, they go into goon mode, and they had two of them. And that was the thing that bothered me so much tonight when the fouls were really going against Purdue and Edie. Some of them were against... The guys that I'm like, these guys are just filler. They, they can't stay in front of Edie. Um, but uh, but it kept happening. The whistles kept going. So Lawyer finished with 27 points, six rebounds, three steals, just two turnovers. Dang solid game. Um, shot three for 10 from three. Decent. Um, I'd like to see him shoot a little better. I, I think uh, I'd like to see Lawyer shoot in the 40s, but um, probably not going to happen this year. <laughs> I mean... Let's just be honest. But if he plays like that, it's not going to matter. Three-pointer is going to be the ancillary part of his game when he's just making plays. <clears throat> um, Cam Heidi, very quiet. Uh, had a game that um, I think uh, a lot of Purdue fans will, will maybe forget. But he had a – there was a questionable foul on him. He didn't play very many minutes. Um, Lance Jones, also quiet, just four points, three rebounds, two assists. And um, Trey Goffman Wren looked frustrated. He gets frustrated at times. That type of game is the type of game that's going to get in his head. And the real problem Trey Goffman Wren has right now in his game, the biggest problem. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through two things. Okay, if I can, if I could, if I, I know all you guys talk to Coach Painter, and if you can get a message back to him here, here's my message. Real simple. Okay, one Trey Goffman Wren. Please, please get the free throw shooting up to 75%. If you do that, it's a game changer for, for you. That changes Purdue, right? But he's 50%. Four for eight. That's a big deal, right? Um, Edie was 9 to 17 from free throw line. Um, it's not good. It's not acceptable for Edie. He's usually an 80 plus percent, 83% free throw shooter. Uh, tonight, that's... He's got to hit his free throws. It's gonna it's gonna play badly for Purdue every time he's gonna if he's gonna miss free throws. The other thing I want to say to Coach Painter, just put a bug in somebody's ear. PJ Thompson, because he's the offensive coach. Lance Jones does not need to shoot the three as much as he shoots it. Plain and simple. And I know he had a he had a deep three, he hit it, he went one for three. But he is so deadly on the drive and he's so deadly changing the pace and being a bulldog and being aggressive. By the way, his defense, if you didn't pay attention, his defense in the second half was incredible. He was guarding the unlikable uh connect connect uh from Tennessee, the transfer. Uh, in the first half, I think that guy had 13 points, I believe. And I think he only had three in the second half, and he waited right till the end um to uh, to get his other points. I believe that's true. But that's all, that is all on Jones. Jones was incredible on defense. And some, many asked the question, is he that much of a defensive star, uh, stopper? We asked that a couple weeks ago. Uh, it looks like he's every bit of the real deal there. He'll get tested again, regardless of who, who Purdue plays next round. But pretty impressive stuff. Now, Smith, rough game. 
flat-out rough game. Six points, five rebounds, just one assist. That's the big deal, and that's very different. His scoring may go down in games, but I don't think you're going to see many games this year where he has that few assists. Um, he also was only two for nine from uh, from the field. Um, he looked like he had dead legs almost to me because he was he was on the front of the rim a lot. Um, that was uh, that's not his best game. And if you look at Purdue's bench, which I think is going to be a strength all year, you have a total of three points off the bench. This is not the formula to win for Purdue, obviously, and it's not a typical game. I don't think we're going to see a lot of this this year. But they found a way. That's really impressive. Finding a way uh, in a medium stage because it's not like a you know it's not a postseason tournament. But finding a way to win that's a big deal, and that's something to learn for learn from. Like I said, they were bad from the free throw line. Let's look. Bad from the free throw line. Sixty percent ended the game. Sixty point four percent from the free throw line. They were bad from the three point line. Twenty six point seven percent from three point line. And uh, from the court, generally 35% bad, too. But that's the thing. Tennessee was bad at, in those categories, just like Purdue, except for free throw shooting. They're up near 70. For me, the magic number for Purdue, I think I always tell you guys, you need to be about 72, 75% as a team to really uh, start guaranteeing wins like this. So, um, but uh, let me, let me uh, look at some of the comments. Appreciate you guys being here. A lot of you guys are here. A lot of you guys are amped up after, after watching your boilers Squeak one out, even though it was not a fun game to watch for me, I'll be honest, but it's a beautiful game at the end. Beating a team and eking out a win that's against a good team who they were really set on trying to level the playing field by just shoving and grabbing and pushing, making it sloppy. And then the refs played along with them, and you had almost a, a guy take first head off uh, because that's what happens. When game gets chippier and chippier and chippier, eventually there's a moment that it kind of boils over. And it only boiled over a little bit. Could have been worse. A lot of uh, veterans on the court uh, produced a good job keeping their heads mostly. Um, I wouldn't have been able to. Painter always keeps a cool head. I don't know how he does that at all. But uh, so Adam's here. Adam, thanks for tuning in. What a game! Agreed. Hope you had it. Uh, hope you had it on mini televisions in the uh, in the shop. Ted Berkey says, and breathe. No kidding, man. Uh, good to exhale a bit. Mark Garson, what a game! What a game? Question mark. What a game! Uh, uh, great game. Um, let's see. Uh, Ben Cotton says, I'm sure glad it's over. Love Fletch's game. Uh, hope he shakes, hope it shakes him loose. Yeah. I'd love for this to be kind of the beginning of seeing that big three as we want them to be a big three, not just two. How many times have we seen lawyer Edie and Smith all playing really well together? It really hadn't happened many times. If you can remember a game, put it in the comments. I remember Ohio State last year. Lawyer played decent for a half, but Smith played well for almost the whole game, and Edie played really well um, as Ohio State tried to do everything they could, you know, front him, and they kind of bracketed him, and they still fought through. So uh, Mark Goshorn says it's great. It was something. The game was something. Uh, that's tough to watch. Tough to watch. Lots of basketball to watch still as we get ready for the Kansas-Marquette game, who the winner will play Purdue. Uh, John Younger uh, says, Jay Williams said it best. Refs never set the standard early. It was inconsistent all game. It was extremely inconsistent. I think that's probably the thing that maybe bothers everybody more than anything. Because when you say, okay, I'm going to call it this way, or we're going to call it this way, you can react. Players can react. Coaches can figure it out. But when you do this, one end of the court's this way, the other end's that way. One half is one way. The second half is the other. It's quite a... Quite a big difference. Um, 
Yeah. Oliver McLeod says, when was the last time Purdue played two football games in four days? Here's the thing, guys, girls. If we haven't gotten used to the fact the NCAA officials are just going to do this, I don't know what we're doing. And I'm, I was just as animated and excited about this one. I think I promised everybody I wouldn't be too excited in November and care that much. But I did. Here I am again. I did. You probably did, too. That's why you're here, because you're venting a little bit. Um, Joe Sasser says, what a win. Um, yeah, we, we got to get used to visuals being poor. The one thing that gets me, though, I really don't understand. So you, it's hard to remember this at times because we've become spoiled with Zach Eady and what he is and who he is. He is the reigning national player of the year, and he gets a whistle like he's a freshman. And the refs have no idea how to officiate Zach Eady still. They don't know. And when a team does what Tennessee in the first half, by the way, it's the first time we've seen it where a team tried to do what Fairleigh Dickinson did against Purdue. They had three packed around him in a couple at a couple times, but Purdue kind of was making them pay, and they had to pull off of that. It was not working. So, um, interesting side note, I think. Um, Need of being versus if you told me Fletch was going to be the top scorer, I wouldn't have believed it. Good for him. Yeah, you heard us. We were we were critical of him. And I'm so glad to see this. I'd like to know which one is the real Fletch lawyer. And if we can see the good one consistently, it is going to be huge. If you have good Fletch lawyer, good Braden Smith, and uh, Lance Jones just kind of adding, adding some seasoning in there, mercy, mercy. That's a, that's a pretty fun group. And then there's firepower off the bench, but today we just didn't see a lot of it. Um, yeah, Travis Brennan says, have you ever seen a team get to 10 fouls so fast? That second half was incredible. That's one of those I was like, we haven't seen Purdue called that way in a couple seasons, I don't think, as they were called in that second half. And I think, I, I hope somebody has an answer to why that happened. The only thing I can think of is Rick Barnes' technical was a pivot point in that game, and it just swung the balance. Those refs didn't really like him talking mean to them and raising their voice, hurt their feelings. So they said, okay, Mr. Barnes, we're sorry. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Caleb first, unsung hero tonight. Played tough, Michael J.B. says. Uh, played tough, played gritty, really good off the bench. Um, one thing that... Uh, Again, kind of players knowing themselves, and this comes with youth. We we forget how young Trey Kaufman Wren is at times, right? But when he's spinning through the lane, that's not that's not his his strength. His best thing is using that massive base, those trunks, right? The dude is strong from the waist down. He's strong all over, but he is strong from the waist down, and just doing some damage there. It's pretty incredible. He needs to not be the soft guy and go, go hard, go hard at the rim and uh, let things just fall where they meet. Uh, Nolan or Noel M 23 says, good evening. Good evening to you. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying your evening. Hope you guys are getting ready for Thanksgiving. I don't know if you've been working all week or how it's been for you, but I think for most people, vacation really started tonight. So maybe, maybe we'll get to see another November championship, November champs. Um, let's see. Boilermaker 63 says, hope we can learn from that one. Even Rutgers' defense won't be that scrappy. Yeah, there was a lot there. I think that's good to be tested this way this early. I don't think, maybe you guys can help me at this, and, and there's still a lot of you making comments in the comments if I get down to the bottom. Um, if you can remember a game before Rutgers last year that was played with that sort of defensive intensity, that sort of energy came at Purdue, that scrappiness, like you said, 
I can't remember one before uh, uh, Rutgers. Rutgers always brings that fight to Purdue and a uh, very frustrating type of game, but they got some they got they got one of the best bigs in the league too after after Edie, of course, Cobra. Three one says, says, Yo Dowd, uh Coach Barnes <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna uh, no one ever uh call it a fishing excuse, but then they take some responsibility. Yeah. So what you're he's really saying is that you're not gonna use the officials as an excuse. We are not gonna do that, but we can we can recognize that they were bad. I think that's fair, Cobra. Um, Ed Albanese, uh, Fletch watched your podcast last night. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's any other way to uh, to explain it other than that. I was after as I saw him in the beginning. What he had, he was the early, he was the the leading scorer early, and he just never let off. And and yeah, clearly that must be. So I guess I need to do that. Hopefully, Coach Harrell watched the last night's podcast too, and and he is motivated to impress me as well in the bucket game. If you didn't haven't watched The Handsome Hour, you should go back and watch it. It's pretty good. Go back and listen to it at your favorite podcast platform. Um, Jimmy Johns is on here. That's wild. Uh, last two games played like garbage and still won. Encouraging but not sexy. I would say the last game I'd put that in a different category because that second half was dominant basketball by Purdue. And it was real basketball. It was free-flowing. It was beautiful. They did everything the way I want to see them do. So they played a half of really pretty basketball versus Gonzaga, and they played an uh, entire ugly game, this one, and allowed Tennessee to dictate a lot of what it, the way the game was played. Um, yeah, but Nick said, let's not forget we started out hot last year and lost to a sweet 16. Thanks, Budnick. Yeah, I had forgotten how the season ended. Thanks. And I've forgotten how it won because I just referenced last season a second ago. Come on. Give me a break. Um, let's see. Uh, Joe Ensley says first had a game. Um, Ed Albany's again first is playing with a lot more aggressiveness. He is attract. Uh, he is attacking the boards. Colvin really needs a mental check. Okay, that's an interesting thing. So we're seeing Colvin came in. He looked dazed. He made a couple bad plays in a row. This is what you're going to get with a freshman, guys. This is the whole thing. And I do think Colvin hopefully will hit his stride at some point this year, and it would, we don't have to wait till sophomore year to really see a fully bloomed version of Colvin because I think he his upside is massive. But today it was freshman basketball, totally. Uh, Ethan Morton's a guy. If you want to get frustrated tonight, I thought Morton played better last night versus Gonzaga because he came in and he played important minutes, did big things. Today uh, wasn't working for Ethan. Um, Gillis and Ethan, I, I gotta. I mean, we gotta see more out of those two guys. I, I know it's tough. They're getting limited minutes, tons of limited minutes. It's a super hard situation. But if there's one thing you know, one thing you know from Pacer, Pacer, Painter teams in previous seasons is there's going to be a night where it's your night to step up and do things and 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 be the guy. For both Morton and Gillis, I'm gonna look like Nostradamus here. It will happen this year for each of them where they're going to be the catalyst for a win. It's just going to happen. Even with their 12, 13 minutes a game regularly right now, they're going to have a game where they're going to need to be need to step in and do big things. So stay ready. Stay humble. Um, uh, da, 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 let's see. Andy Day says, oh, yeah, there's a rumor up here. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Um, let's see. Ken says, I'm counting uh, the likely KU game tomorrow as a national championship. Okay. We can address that if you want to. Um, yeah, it's there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of basketball to be played, but to have two top two teams playing 
early. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's a little different than last year. Um, regardless, like I said, if you play Marquette, you play Kansas, you don't win, you don't lose. You don't lose in the big scheme of things, the grand scheme. Um, but this that could be a preview of something fun. Um, right now, live, Marquette is up seven to tw- uh, 12 to 7, pardon me, uh, and they're at the free throw line. Right, they got a couple weapons there. That's a good team, good team. Um, let's see. 7392 says Gillis seems off, seems uh, to lose focus. Balls are bouncing off his face. There were, Gillis wasn't the only one doing that tonight, right? There are a couple times where uh, Purdue players had rebounds in their hands and had them ripped away. Jones had one down at the end, right, where he had a clear rebound and a great play was made by completely clean, all facetiousness, and uh, Tennessee made a play. Got a cheap one back, turned, scored right away. And it was one of those things where it felt like Purdue could have put a little more a little more distance between themselves uh, and Tennessee and just didn't do it down the, in the game. And that's one of those plays that did that. The free throw shooting obviously was awful. Um, Oliver McLeod says uh, tonight's game, tomorrow's game, and rooting interest in the Egg Bowl on Thursday will take 10 years off my life. So we got some... That's right. You're, I think we you've talked. I think you're a, you're a guy down this house. So that's that's fun. Um, it's a fun weekend. It's a fun weekend. I don't care if you like sports. You like college sports. It's the best weekend. It is. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to argue. It is right there, like in the top three to five week sports weekends of the year. No doubt. No doubt. Um, seven seven three nine two at a point earlier. Vescovi is a cheap player. Undercut Edie several times. Yeah, and so he wasn't the only one. This is one thing that those refs would not call. When you hip check a guy underneath that underneath when he goes up for a rebound, um, you, you hit him in his thigh with your rear end. It's kind of a formula for for big time injury. Refs didn't that didn't earn one whistle. I don't believe. It's like the refs were only looking up here, and they weren't going to call it above the shoulders because Edie's tall. Super guilty of being seven foot four, um, and uh, boy, that felt like the bad old days when he couldn't get a call. But hopefully we don't have to see too many more of those games this year. Um, uh, Pat uh, God uh, Gottschall says, first half low lights coming out uh, of the half with broadcast gave me PTSD of the FDU game. Yeah, um, yeah, it felt it felt like that. I think it's funny that the way, like I said, the way they addressed the game was like Fairleigh Dickinson, but they are so much more of a superior team. To Fairleigh Dickinson, like man in, man out. They've got athletes on that team. They got guys who can score. Um, Tennessee's legit, and Purdue was able to hold on and keep him at bay. That's awesome. Um, let's see, let's see. Q Turner says refs were very inconsistent. Love the depth we have this year. Everyone coming, happy to see it. I'm happy to see a win, and I think that's a, the last. Let's see. Yeah, um, Elliot Cruel has has a comment up here that I didn't get because I was just kind of breezing through, but it's he's right, and I. He says the toughest non-conference uh, schedule ever in Purdue history. I cannot he- think of anything close to this. It's incredible. I mean, uh, this tournament's tough, but it's not just this tournament. You got Arizona and Indianapolis. You've got Alabama up in Toronto, right? Already had Xavier. I might even be missing another one. I mean, it is incredible. They're going to be the most battle-tested team. You can look at it that way. The most battle-tested team that we've ever seen at Purdue. Like I said, the things I want to see. 
uh, old Buzzkill McGill uh, up above said, did you remember the last year Purdue started fast? Yeah. And I've addressed this over and over. The big thing that I want to say, I want to see, is that in January and February, Purdue is playing better basketball. And they're starting to get better and add things instead of taking away. Last year, tell me you don't agree that it felt like Purdue was kind of just like gliding in for the landing right at the end of the season. They weren't fighting. And it felt hard as a fan because you're like, let's just get to the tournament. I mean, let's just, let's go, let's go. I don't want to feel that way. I want, like Anish talks about the, the ride being important and the process is obviously important. I do not want to feel like Purdue's just gliding in and taking it easy. Um, and holding on as they start out flying out of the gates in the Big Ten. Remember, they dominated the Big Ten. They won the Big Ten championship regular season going away because of the beginning of the season, how well they played. Well, I'd like to see them end the season in that manner with all that fight. The problem you had last year, you had a couple things, but one of the big ones is teams. every team was playing Purdue like Tennessee played Purdue tonight, and they beat the hell out of Smith and Lawyer specifically. Those guys looked like they didn't have much in the tank at the end. Maybe Lance Jones is enough to get you past that this year. Maybe that experience, right, of the jump from freshman to sophomore year is enough to get you to the next level. Whatever it is, I want to see it. Um, Kyle Ray says, Tennessee's coach lost my respect. He's a clown. Wouldn't control his bench at all. No, he was trying to, he was trying to get them completely lathered up to take this game very seriously, to get them to play more and more physical, and the, the officials allowed it and encouraged it. Barnes knew that he couldn't play Purdue straight up. At this point in the season, they can't. Maybe they will be. This is the funny thing. If you, if you think, go in the Wayback Machine, Tennessee in 2018 played Purdue in the pre-con in, I don't think it was Maui. No, they didn't play. I don't think they played in Maui in 2018. <coughs> but they played in the big tournament, and... Tennessee beat Purdue, and then Purdue beat Tennessee in Louisville to get to Virginia. But that's the thing. Those teams were very different at the beginning of the season to the end. Now, Tennessee could improve a lot and be able to go toe-to-toe with Purdue at the end of the season. I think Barnes knew right now Purdue was a better team, and he knew that they were going to try to do everything they could from a physical standpoint to take it to Purdue. Interesting thing, because we all think, as Purdue fans, that Purdue can pretty much handle the physicality of almost any almost any team, but Purdue can play physical, but they're not just like a big bunch of bruising linebackers like they've been in the past, right? If we think of some of the great, historical great Purdue teams, where it's just like, okay, it's defense, it's hitting the guy in the mouth, taking the, you know, getting on the floor, earning it with floor burns. No, Purdue's gotten skilled, and now teams have to play that game against Purdue. Very, very different situation. Very, very good thing to see from program. Brian Ryle checks in and says, Talking Heads starting, uh, starting uh, to talk the Big Ten down. Um, yeah, yeah, they're they're not wrong. Uh, the Big Ten has looked pretty bad, right? I mean, like you can't argue with some of the results. Uh, the Big Ten has looked pretty bad. I don't really care. Like here, and you're probably the same way for me. I'm not trying to take away your point, but the the idea that the talk is the thing that's going to keep Purdue out of a championship, a Final Four, a high seed. I guess all that stuff has been moved on in my head because all I wanted Purdue was to be a top two or three seed. And then they peed down their legs so badly that it didn't. The seeding didn't even matter. Now, I, it doesn't d- discount the fact that you need to win a Big Ten title and need to get a high seed. But the 
media and nobody else matters at the end of the season, especially if you are a legit top five team, which Purdue looks to me like they're going to be this part unless something happens with something unforeseen. It looks like they're going to be a top five to 10 team the entire season. They just look that good to me. Look that good to you probably because you're biased as well. But last year changed a lot of my opinion. Um, so, yeah. Bahamas. Thank you. Thank you, Budnick. Bahamas. And, that yeah, that was that was when Purdue played Kansas. Sorry, I, I could give you guys some context. Um, let's see. I think that's about it. So I'm going to call it a, I'm calling it an evening. I really, once again, I appreciate every one of you that tune in live after this game. I will be here again uh, after the Kansas or Marquette game. I will be here with a little post-game goodness. We can enjoy that before we turn our our eyes towards Thanksgiving and getting ready. If you're hosting like I am, you're probably starting to get your house ready. Um, hope you have a hope you have a, a stress free couple of days ahead because I'm sure it will be. But until I see you again in probably 24 hours, a little over 24 hours. Thanks again to AJ's. Thanks again to Homefield, and thank you for tuning in and listening. God bless you. Hammer down. We'll talk to you soon. Hopefully after yet another Boiler victory and back to back to back November champs. We'll see you.